Today is Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A terrifying scene on Monday Night Football as a player suffered cardiac arrest and is now in critical condition. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Joining me as always to get through the news of the craze, we like to call it CBN's Billy Hallowell. Billy, happy new year. What's going on? Happy New Year. Excited to be here, caffeinated and contented. <laughs> Although some some tough stories. Yeah. Too. Really tough start to the new year. I mean, we've all, we've also seen some uh some uh, big name people, you know, pass away. Barbara Walters being one. Uh, that news happened over the break and and then last night with this crazy scene on Monday Night Football, we'll get into that. Uh, but also the Christian Post has reemerged on Twitter. Yeah, pretty pretty incredible to see them coming back and uh, being present after a nine-month hiatus. So uh, yeah. we'll have that story. Yeah, we'll get the details on that as to why they were out in the first place and what happened when they came back. Also on the main thing, climate change alarmists, they gathered... Uh, in the Middle East at the World Climate Summit. And it had some dire predictions yet again. Well, CBN's Gary Lane and Dale Hurd break down some of these climate alarmist claims. We'll get to that on the main thing. But first, we are going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. Bill's safety, Damar Hamlin. He had his heartbeat restored on the field after he suffered what the Bills are saying was cardiac arrest during the team's game last night against the Bengals, highly anticipated game. And now he's currently in critical condition at a Cincinnati hospital. This is according to the Bills in a statement early this morning. Man, it was a chilling scene, and it happened midway through the opening quarter last night in uh, a big game between these two of the NFL's top teams. And it... The game was postponed for about 90 minutes as CPR was administered to Hamlin, who's just 24 years old, on the field for multiple minutes as the players gathered around on bended knee. Uh, He had collapsed after following a tackle of Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins, where T. Higgins sort of leaned his shoulder in and made contact uh, with his chest. And he went down initially uh, for just a second and got right back up and was up for about two or three seconds before he suddenly um, became limp and passed out on the field. So it was a terrifying scene. Everyone is praying for DeMar. There's been an outpouring of support uh, across the league and across uh, social media. You can get that top story and more over at CBNNews.com. And Billy, I mean, it was just really a gut-wrenching scene last night. I mean, we're seeing a lot of these injuries in football. I mean, it's been the concussions, people are getting head injuries. That's kind of commonplace at this point. But this was different. And you could tell right away when um, emergency workers came out and they were, you know, doing CPR and doing what they could to restore him on the field. Uh, Just a terrifying scene. Yeah, really a horrifying scene. All these people are showing up to watch a game. You know, you think it's going to be light and fun and it's going to be, you know, what football is, this big American tradition. And you have this moment that, I mean, they said the entire stadium went silent. And you just, you think about that. Anybody who's been in a stadium, all those seats, all those people, 
Um, of course. I mean, just watching the clip on, on Twitter and seeing it in the news is enough to make you go silent. And so a lot to pray for for his recovery because that that sort of thing and that amount of time, it can be very damaging and dangerous to, to a person, right? I mean, this is – and, you know, this is a human being, the fact that the game was stopped. A lot of people were – we're getting really frustrated you yeah. know, in the initial seconds, but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. They clearly made the right call and not continue. Oh yeah. You, you, you know, when you saw the seriousness of this and his life is still hanging in the balance, he's in critical condition. They said he's sedated and his life is still hanging in the balance. And so now football becomes incredibly secondary at that point. And I think that's what people lose in the midst of this. This is entertainment. It's entertainment, and uh, there was a false rumor going around, and this was reported on ESPN that the NFL had given them and told the players they had five minutes to get loose and start playing again. That never happened, um, according to NFL representatives. Um, they said that DeMar's health was first and foremost uh, on their mind, and um, you, you saw a lot of prayers um, from the players, first of all, bending, bending a knee on the field, uh, and surrounding him uh, as the uh, crews were working on him. But also on social media, you just saw players and other players from the league and other uh, people who were watching just offering, saying, let's pray, pray, pray. Bills player Dawson Knox, who's a Christian, said, you know, prayer is real. Prayer is powerful. Keep praying. He put that on social media um, a little bit after the game was postponed. Also a toy drive. Uh, this is uh, this is quite something here, but uh, Demar Hamlin had a toy drive that he was leading, uh, and and he's you know he's a starter on the Bills, but he was a sixth round draft pick, so he's not one of the biggest stars, the well known names around the country in the NFL, and so he had a toy drive that he was working on, and he had a stated goal of twenty five hundred dollars. Well, people were looking for a way to help last night. And that has reached more than $3 million now. So wow. people obviously outpouring of support here. And it really just causes you, when you look at this, you, to remember that life is fragile, that you don't know the number of days that you have here on earth. And we're praying that uh, this young man pulls through, but it, it should remind us of the fragility of life and that we, no day is guaranteed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's why that's what these events do. They sort of shake us to our core, remind us that we're human beings. Yeah. And I think what you just said is so is so true. We get so distracted. And, you know, we're at the new year. This is a time where people are thinking about their lives and how they can better their lives. And a lot of times, you know, a week or two into these resolutions, we, yeah. we fail. But yeah. I think it is it is in some ways a powerful reminder for us to just remember our humanity and what really matters. Yeah. Absolutely. So continued prayers there after that terrifying scene uh, on Monday Night Football. All right, we're going to head into our next story now. And the Christian Post has returned to Twitter after nine months of being banned from the platform. So why were they banned in the first place? Yeah, let's start there because it's actually interesting. It involved uh, U.S. Assistant Secretary for Health Rachel Levine, a biological male who identifies as female. So just to simplify that, this is a man who identifies as a woman. So it's a biological man. And the Christian Post did the same thing the Babylon Bee did. Now, the Babylon Bee is a satire site. 
they actually told a joke um, about about Rachel Levin and and mentioned Rachel Levin being a man. They were banned unless they promised to delete a tweet. The same thing happened to the Christian Post with an actual news story. Um, they had posted a news story on March 15th. They sent a tweet that said, quote, USA Today names Rachel Levin a man among its women of the year with a link to the story about, if you'll remember that USA Today um, choice to put Rachel Levin on the women of the year list. What's so interesting about that is that they simply stated a biological fact. Um, Twitter apparently reached out to the Christian Post at the time and accused the outlet of violating its prohibitions against hateful conduct. They said the media source would need to, again, remove that tweet, and the Christian Post declined to remove the tweet. We spoke with them months ago when this happened, and they basically said that they weren't going to take it down. They don't plan on removing it. They will continue to speak the truth, even if it costs them their Twitter account, which again, they lost for nine months. Yeah. Wow. That is, I mean, really remarkable when you think about, as you said, biological fact there. Um, and when you look at just um, the, we're starting to see now with uh, the Twitter files coming out, who was behind these vague policies on Twitter. And you could see there were these radical gender leftist activists. So it's no surprise that when they just deemed that you couldn't misgender someone. This was apparently the crime of the century to do that. Um, when obviously there's a whole contingent of people who think you're misgendering someone by calling them not what their actual gender is um, or their bio bio biological sex. So um, obviously disagreements there we've been having back and forth in the country for some time now. But what is uh, unique about the Christian Post's response here? You know, there's a couple of things that are unique about it. And I just want to mention the first thing is that at the end of the day, you had a situation where Twitter could have just removed these tweets. If they didn't like what the Babylon Bee joked about and what the Christian Post reported on, they could have removed it. They wanted these outlets to say, we're wrong. We agree with you. We violated your standards and we're going to remove the tweet. And the Christian Post wouldn't do that. A lot of other people have done that. They've wanted their account back. And so they've removed the tweet and, and they've said, OK, we'll we'll admit we were wrong. The Christian Post stood their ground, didn't do that. Um, but their actual response to this, they explained in a series of tweets on New Year's Eve why they wouldn't you know, kowtow to the mob, why they wouldn't agree that they were wrong and they should remove the tweet. They said, as journalists, we understand our ethical obligation to provide accuracy over narrative and truth over opinion. Calling a man a man is a scientific truth, not opinion. Editorializing facts is called commentary, opinion, or in some cases, dishonesty. And they went on from there to actually talk about what's even more important. And that is their responsibility to tell the truth as Christians, to advance God's truth, and that they felt that the demands of Twitter's former leadership were, quote, immoral. Mm. They said, quote, in this case, obedience to God meant judgment by man. As living sacrifices to God, this was a small but necessary line for us to draw. So a pretty, pretty powerful response um, from a well-known media outlet in our space. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I wanted to get into why this response matters. And I, but as you're laying out that situation that Twitter put a lot of people in, where they, like you said, they didn't just remove the tweets. They want you, I don't know if everybody remembers this famous scene from Braveheart when, um, you know, William Wallace is, you know, dragged before, um, you know, the authorities and they, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to, you know, bow down to the king of England. 
And so they're like, will you kiss the royal emblem and make it all go away? And he's, you know, he's getting gutted out, uh, you know, as he's getting killed. And it's like, he's like, no, I'm not going to kiss that. But that's essentially what Twitter is trying to make people do, or the old Twitter anyway, was trying to make people do, which is like, admit you're wrong, bow down before the king. So you had a few people like the Babylon Bee and the Christian Post refusing to do that. So I, I'm kind of answering my own question here, but w why does this response matter? I would, I would imagine it has something to do with something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, it matters because I think that people right now are very afraid. They're afraid of losing their jobs, their yeah. friendships, their family members, and they need to see examples of people standing up and doing it in love. And the Christian Post also talked about that in this stream. They said, look, you have to do this in love, and that's how we plan to tell the truth. We're going to continue doing that. We're not going to back down. And so I think it just serves as a powerful example of that for all of us, um, of just real conviction you know, I'm not trying to judge those who have deleted the tweets. Everybody's in their own circumstance, but they probably lost traffic doing this and they definitely lost attention and they were willing to stand by the truth to do that. So, yeah, absolutely. And which scripture did you say that they shared uh, during in the in the um, in the thread there? Yeah, they, they concluded it was Second Timothy 2.15, which reads, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So a pretty pertinent Bible verse there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I just think to your point, Billy, you're right. Like we need to see examples of people standing up because this is how it goes in culture. You need, I don't know, there's a great video you've probably seen at one time or another. It's an older one of there's one guy dancing to the music. There's a concert. Everyone's just kind of sitting on the hill. There's a lot of people there. And this one guy just starts dancing and he's just, he kind of looks foolish because he's dancing all by himself. Well, one other person comes and starts dancing next to this guy. It's still, they still kind of look like two goofballs dancing, but then another one comes. And then at some point when like the third or fourth one come over, it just snowballs and everyone goes and they all start dancing. And it's just such a great example of how you need to be the first one willing to take a stand. Now, in this case, you don't look foolish, right? But you certainly are going at odds with what the powers that be are telling you you have to go along with. And so when one, when the, it takes those first couple ones to go and then the rest will follow and, uh, but they need that example to follow because I mean, this is, these are basic truths they're at, that are at stake here. Yeah. They're basic truths that people are being bullied. It's like you're being bullied into lying, right? Yes. Yeah. You're being gaslighted and being told that the lie is the truth, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's really, I mean, the fact that we've allowed culture and this really goes back to a misunderstanding of what the First Amendment really means. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the fact that we have studies showing us, at least one, that the majority of Americans don't recognize the fact that religious freedom is in the First Amendment, that it protects it. They all recognize the fact that free speech is protected, but yeah. they don't recognize that. So we're doing a, a disservice in this country to educating young people and adults apparently alike on what really matters. But it's wild to me that we're in this place. And I think we need more people like the Christian Post to stand up and, you know, and, and do what we do at CBN and speak the truth in love. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Billy, good to see the Christian Post is back on Twitter and uh, sharing their stories and their perspective as well. Thanks for bringing that story. Appreciate it. We're going to head on over to the main thing now and climate change alarmists, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast here, they gathered in the Middle East at the World Climate Summit. And there was a lot of fear mongering going about the end of the world. They said, 
um, that life on Earth will end if climate change isn't stopped. But as CBN's Dale Hurd and Gary Lane dive into, this is a claim that has been happening for some time now. You hear it, you know, the date just keeps getting pushed back. So what was the latest threat here? What is the uh, reaction to it all? Well, as I said, Dale Hurt and CBN's Gary Lane, they have more on today's main thing. Are we on the highway to climate hell? The United Nations Secretary General warns the world is heading in that direction. Dale Hurd reports that climate change alarmists once again took center stage at a global climate summit. This time, they gathered in the Middle East. The pyramids were lit up to welcome world leaders to the UN climate summit in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. In what almost looked like an end-of-the-world trade show sponsored by Coca-Cola and other big corporations. This summit began as many others, with the dire warning that life on Earth will end if climate change isn't stopped. The clock is ticking. We are in the fight of our lives, and we are losing. We are on a highway to climate hell with our foot still on the accelerator. One has to wonder, however, whether this doomsday rhetoric can be trusted. After all, 50 years ago, the UN warned mankind had only 10 years to stop the catastrophe. 40 years ago, the UN said we have until the year 2000 to prevent the equivalent of a nuclear holocaust. And 15 years ago, the UN warned that if climate change wasn't stopped by 2012, it would be too late. The world has not only failed to end, CO2 emissions are 50% higher than they were 20 years ago. With even the UN now admitting its policies have failed, some want to throw even more money at the problem. After 26 previous summits and trillions spent on the climate, the UN still doesn't have a working blueprint to lower the Earth's temperature. For this 27th attempt, U.S. climate envoy John Kerry says what's needed are trillions of dollars more. There's also support for hundreds of billions in so-called loss and damage payments to poor nations, basically climate reparations. Climate activist Greta Thunberg denounced this summit as a scam and greenwashing. That's when a company fakes its environmental commitment. But climate skeptic and author Mark Morano at this summit told us he saw more corporate sponsors than ever before. We've been completely corporatized. The main partners this year are everyone from Microsoft, Google, uh, to uh, IBM, and all these big corporate conglomerates that come in. Meta is here, the parent company of Facebook. Al Gore was there pushing his new Climate Trace Initiative, a global network that tracks down carbon emitters so they can be fined or shut down. For any nation that requests our assistance, Climate Trace can provide all of the assistance necessary, a complete inventory of all of the emissions from every major point source in its territory every year for free. But with the U.N. itself admitting failure, the biggest impact of climate policies has been a worldwide energy crisis through an over-reliance on green energy. And all the failed prophecies of doom over the years don't seem to matter. If you're Al Gore, if you're John Kerry, uh, if you're any climate activist, how do you walk this back? Okay, we've been doing this for 30 years, and these people have come out with the most dire warnings, by the way, none of which have turned out to be true. How do they ever walk it back? They can't. They just have to keep it going. 
CBN News senior international correspondent Dale Hurd joins us with more. Dale, if these were Christians making prophecies over the past 30 years and none of the prophecies came true, people would stop listening to them. So why are people still listening to Al Gore, John Kerry, and other climate prophets of doom? Yeah, it's kind of like a dead faith that's unwinding, but it still has credence with some people. You know, this issue is like dead last uh, among voters' concerns. And yet when you look at uh, do people believe in climate change, the numbers are still, to me, alarmingly high. I think partly because people just don't want to get hassled about it and or they haven't looked into it. And so it just kind of keeps rolling down, going down the street, you know, like a junk car about to break down, but it hasn't broken down yet. And in your story, you report about the corporations that sponsored the climate summit. So why are so many companies jumping on the climate change bandwagon, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I called it an end of the world trade show because, I mean, it, I, to me, it's hilarious that, you know, they're talking about the end of life on Earth as we know it, sponsored by Coca-Cola. But there's money to be made. And we have ESG in the boardroom, which is environmental, social, and governance policies that are being uh, foisted on companies by board members, shareholders, because not enough good people are getting involved in corporate governance, in my opinion. And so you get these policies forced on corporations, and they're trying to, they're fig they figured out a way to make money out of it. Okay, on to the effect of these policies a blast of cold weather is expected for Europe before the end of the year, but a warmer winter is predicted. So still many European countries are facing an energy crisis. To what extent are climate policies responsible? Completely responsible. Can we put this to rest about the war? Let's look at what Europe has done over the last 20, 25 years. Europe really only has coal uh, for a natural resource. Well, that was shut down years ago and then um, nuclear France was a leader in nuclear and they were sharing it with other countries now they're knocking down their nuclear plants now they're they've mothballed some and they're trying to bring those back online and bring and they're burning more coal than they have in years they mothballed some of those and they've brought those back online this is all about their policies and can i just say these people did not know what they're doing in the same way that the biden white house does not know what it's doing they're like kids that live in their parents basement and think they know about life they think they know about energy and energy policy and they don't and that's why they've made such a mess of things yeah as they jet around the world and uh, use up the carbon right. there. Well, you've been doing these reports for many years now, so where do you see all of this heading? A more common sense approach to climate change or more extremism and energy hardship? You know, it keeps going. And so even in this country, which is so energy rich, I think we're headed toward a breakdown. Perhaps not as bad as Europe, but some, they're trying to kill the fossil fuel industry in this country, and at some point, um, it's going to reach a crisis because wind and solar don't cut it. We wish they did, but they don't. And so I'm afraid we're headed toward a breakdown and some cold winters. Thank you, Dale, for providing those insights. All right, Gary, Dale, thanks so much for that report. That leaves us with time for one last thing. Yeah, this brings us back to the verse we just talked about a little bit ago that the Christian Post shared, 2 Timothy 2.15. I'm going to read it again, and then we'll talk about it. But do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, 
rightly handling the word of truth. And I have to tell you that that last part, you know, not being ashamed and handling the word of truth in a culture that's so confused and lost, that is so paramount and so important. Yeah, no, 100%, especially today when you're seeing more and more pastors wrongly handling the word of truth and twisting it and perverting it. Um, it really kind of causes us to have to dig more deeply into the word so that we understand it better, so that we know what maybe the, a lot of the original words are saying, so that we can avoid being misled by people who I think there are more and more of them out there that are twisting the word to fit culture rather than than sticking to the word to drive culture rather than that way so all right well hey that's our first episode for the new year glad to have you on board as always lord willing and that creek don't rise we'll be back here tomorrow with more god bless